Well, good morning, Hershey Free. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. My name's Nick. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I'm just so thankful that you are a part of our service with us this morning. Just want to remind you that as we move through the service today, that you can head over to hfcinfo.com and you can find a ton of good information there, including our sermon notes. You can find them. You can follow along, take your own notes and have them emailed to yourself. You can submit a prayer request as well. You can engage with us through that. And we would love to be in prayer for you in whatever that way that looks. And also you can check out our announcements. You can find our sermon uh, question and discussion question guide as well. It has a devotional guide and a lot of other really cool resources for you up at hfcinfo.com. So we've been in this series called Build a Bridge for about the past month. And in the past couple of weeks, Pastor George has looked at two very practical aspects of what it looks like to intentionally build bridges with others in our spheres of influence. We've talked about how we are to see people, to see them for who they really are, to not make assumptions about them, to not come in with, with pre-assumed conceptions about who someone may be. We are to see them as an individual, to hear their story and get to know them. He also talked about how we are to be serving others as well, how we are to be embodying the mission of Jesus and serving people around us, regardless of where they're at. And then today we're going to look at a third tangible aspect of what it means to build a bridge as we talk about sharing. And here's what I mean when I say sharing. Sharing is this, it is intentionally moving from serving and seeing to having conversations that embrace and lead towards a gospel-centered emphasis. Here's what I'm meaning. When we are saying, hey, we want to be about, about seeing and serving people, and if it just stops there, and we don't intentionally engage people with, with the truth of the gospel, if we don't actually share with them the, the, the reality of what the gospel is and the impact it has in our lives, then all we're doing is just good works. We need to implica- implement this piece of this story into our conversations with people. But I think if we are honest with ourselves, we know that healthy communication is difficult right? If we just turn on the TV, you will be hit by a barrage of political ads, and they do not show healthy communication at all. They are critical, they are mean, they are biting, they are undercutting. But the reality is that we as followers of Jesus, we need to be engaged in sharing in healthy ways. We need to have healthy conversations. And so the first part of learning about sharing is saying, how do we have healthy conversations with those around us, whether it's people in our church. Maybe it's the people on the couch next to you, right? Maybe it's with your coworkers, your classmates. Maybe it's people in your neighborhood. Maybe it's your people that you associate with on your sports team. Whoever it may be, we need to say, how can we have healthy conversations? I want to look at this from a story in the book of John, in John chapter 3, at a story that I lovingly call Nick at Night. I know, great, great story title, right? Nick at Night, fantastic, love it. But here's the thing. I want us to look at this story together and say, okay, what truths do we see from this story? And then how does that look when it comes to healthy communication? So let's check this out. John chapter three, beginning in verse one. There was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and he said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God for no one could perform the things, the signs that you are doing if God were not with him. And Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. But how can someone be born again when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. 
And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. You see, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. But how can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things and you don't believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone to heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. So here's what's going on. Jesus is meeting with this guy, Nicodemus. And Nicodemus and Jesus, this meeting probably should never have happened. You see, as a Pharisee, and not just a Pharisee, but as a member of the ruling council, Nicodemus would probably have been pretty opposed to who Jesus was and what he was doing because the Pharisees did not like Jesus. They didn't get along because Jesus came preaching the gospel of heaven. He came preaching that a savior himself was here. And the Pharisees didn't like that because they had taken control of the gospel narrative and had used it to their advantage to gain leverage over the people. And Jesus was preaching something radically different and people were following him and not listening to the Pharisees and they were getting upset. And so this conversation is actually between two people who are on polar ends of a spectrum. They're on opposite ends. And and this conversation, it's beautiful what we learn about what healthy communication looks like between two people who probably should never had this conversation. And what we see is this this Pharisee shows up at night and he says, Jesus, I need, I'm seeking answers. I've got some questions for you. And I just, I need to process this and work this out. And can I do it with you? And what I want to do is I want to look at how this conversation unfolds and to see what we learn then about this healthy communication. The first is this, is that Nicodemus came with questions that he had. Now, here's the thing. I think sometimes we can get scared by questions because we we fear that if somebody asks a question that we cannot answer, that for some reason, that's a problem. We fear that somebody's going to ask a question that we may not know how to respond to. And we see that as something that is intrinsically wrong. We worry about questions because we feel that for some reason it may pull people away from the truth, but that's not it at all. In fact, our younger generations from millennials to Gen Z to iGen, these generations are all about questions because much like Nicodemus, their questions were rooted in looking for understanding, seeking clarity, understanding the why behind what is happening. He came with a heart not to, not to fight, but a heart to understand. And so what we need to realize is that healthy communication starts by asking good questions, that we should not be worried or fearful about a question. We shouldn't take a question as a personal attack. We should realize that questions are asked in order to help people understand. So the first part of healthy communication is asking good questions. But then I love the next part of the story, and we see how Jesus responds to Nicodemus. And I love this because Nicodemus asks some questions that I think we kind of chuckle at when he's like, well, how can somebody be born again if they're old? And we're like, <laughs> you don't know the answer. That's funny, and we do. But we have, the, we have the beauty of having the Bible here, so we know the answer, right? But I love this because Jesus, he knew what Nicodemus was going to ask, and he also knew the answer. But notice what Jesus doesn't do. He doesn't respond critically or dismissively or sarcastically. He doesn't jump in and cut Nicodemus off and go, let me stop you there, bud, because you don't even know what you're saying. That is not what he does. He doesn't roll his eyes. He doesn't giggle. He doesn't go talk about it with somebody else. What he does is he uses encouraging language. 
Very truly, Nicodemus, I tell you, this is what you're, what you're asking about. Very truly, Nicodemus, this is what it is. Nick, you're, you're a religious leader, Nick. You're a teacher of the law. You know these things. You've read about them. He's using this language to empower Nicodemus to see that he could investigate and find the truth that he was looking for. And when we engage in healthy conversation, we should do likewise. We shouldn't dismiss somebody because we don't agree with their political views. We shouldn't be critical in a response that we passive-aggressively post on social media, right? We should be people who are putting to action the words and the model of Jesus. We should look to encourage people to help them grow, to help them understand the truth of the gospel. And we see also then that Jesus gives answers that make Nicodemus think. And I love this about Jesus. Whenever somebody asks a question, you can always bank on Jesus typically responding in one of two ways, with another question or with a parable, a story, right? But he always does it to force people to think about the deeper heart issues at hand. Whenever Jesus answers, he forces Nicodemus to think. Very truly, I tell you, you can be born of water and the Spirit. And Nicodemus goes, okay, okay, but how? How does that work? He's forcing Nicodemus to think critically. And the reason he is able to do this is because he is doing active listening. Now check this out. You have active listening and you have passive listening. And passive listening is this, is either when you hold on to a small portion of what somebody said and you take just that small portion and only address that small portion because that's all that matters to you out of what they said. So you dismiss everything else. Or passive listening also comes off in a way of when people try to finish your sentences before you, did you try to end mine? And that's passive listening. When we assume that we know where somebody is going, we assume the question before it's asked. But what Jesus does, he knows what was going to be said. And instead of jumping on Nicodemus and finishing the thought or answering before he could finish his question, Jesus allows him to share, allows him to process. And what he's doing is he is embracing active listening because as Nicodemus is sharing and as he's processing, Jesus is hearing the whole narrative, not just a part. He's hearing all of what Nicodemus is saying, and he's hearing the heart of Nicodemus. And that allows for Jesus then to respond in a more appropriate way to the manner, the issue at hand, rather than just dismiss it. So we, when we engage in healthy communication, need to be active listeners. But we also see, like I said a little bit earlier, Jesus always wants to look at the heart. He never just looks at like the surface issue. He always goes deeper. What's the matter in the heart? What is, what is affecting you so deeply that this is your question? And what we see is throughout this entire passage, Jesus, he's able to do this by building relational equity, by putting that money in the bank every time Nicodemus says something. Rather than dismiss him or call him dumb or laugh about the ignorant question he may have asked, Jesus readily engages him and he's building relational equity with Nicodemus. And we see that Nicodemus also trusts Jesus because he came to Jesus. So he had seen what Jesus was doing. He had seen him living it out about putting, putting action to his words. And he sees that Jesus is all about serving other people. And he goes, I want to know more. I'm going to go to the source. And so when we are in relationships with others, when we are engaging in conversations with them, we need to be building the relational equity and the trust within that relationship. And if we're not, we are missing the mark. Remember, Jesus and Nicodemus are on different ends of the spectrum, but Jesus still loves him enough, still cares about him enough to value him, to say, I love you, and I want to have this conversation with you, and allows for it to continue till its completion. And then the last part is this, is Jesus encourages 
action. And we don't necessarily see Jesus actually issue a call to action in this passage. We don't see him go, Nicodemus, here is what you are to do. But what we do see is at the very beginning of this text where John says, here is who Nicodemus is. He's a Pharisee and part of the ruling council. Nicodemus's job was to communicate God's law, God's word to the people. And by him coming to Jesus, by him coming to Jesus and processing through it, when Jesus goes, Nicodemus, remember, you're a teacher of the law. You are a teacher of the law. Here's what you need to understand, Nicodemus. You have to take this back to the people and share with them these truths. You have to be willing to take what you learn and apply it. And really what he is saying is this, is he's saying, you need to share your story. You need to be willing to say, let me show you who God is, what he has done in my life, and let me show him what he is going to do in yours as well. Let me embrace this narrative, this gospel story with you. Let's do this together. And so that is what healthy communication looks like. Good questions, encouraging language, active listening, equity and trust in a relationship, and then sharing your story. But let's be honest for a moment, because sometimes we go, but Nick, that's good. We would not say this is bad, but this is hard. This is difficult. And if we were honest with ourselves, there are roadblocks. We might go, but there is this group or these individuals, Nick, that's like, it's just tense all the time, Nick, because we don't agree on, on po- politics. We don't agree on how to live our lives. We don't agree on different theological issues. Our ideologies don't match up, and it's just all the time. And maybe it's like that person sitting on the couch next to you, right? Don't look at them. Don't elbow them, okay? Don't do that, right? That's bad communication, okay? Or maybe maybe it's the person who used to like sit in the pews next to you at church. Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your boss. Maybe it's your, your, your peer group or, or the student at your, your one class at school that you just can't get along with because you're so different. Well, I think if, if we are honest and we say there are roadblocks, I think before we assume that the roadblocks come from somebody else, I think we need to look at our own hearts and do a little heart check. And so I think what we need to do is acknowledge that if we hit roadblocks, we need to see how we can move through them. Because here's the thing, a roadblock doesn't mean that we stop the conversation. If there's a roadblock, we should seek how to get around it because that person is still worthy of knowing and understanding the love and the power and the redemptiveness that Jesus Christ offers. Everybody deserves to know that. So if we are hitting robots, I think what we need to do is ask ourselves some questions. And the very first one is this, is to ask yourself, what is most important to you? Where is my heart at? And I think for a lot of us, our knee-jerk reaction is to go, well, Jesus, of course. And yes, we would say that. But let me ask you, is that the only thing? Is that the only thing in your heart, in your life, that is the most important to you? Or is there something else that's competing? And maybe, maybe what we should do then is ask this question, what are you not willing to give up? And do with me maybe just a little thought experiment right now, okay? Um, I want to just push pause on the message for a moment. And I want to ask you something. Let's do a thought experiment, ready? If we took your last five conversations, what would people see? If we took your last five interactions, let's not even do conversations, right? Just generic interactions with people, what would people see? If we took your last five social media posts, what would people see? And only those five, only those five, would people see Jesus? Or would they see an ideology? Would they see a political leaning? 
Would they see a preference? Or would they see my own version of Christianity and not the gospel? And folks, I, I will tell you this, like I, I did not want to put these questions in because I don't like these questions as much as the next person. These questions hurt because they force me to look into my heart and to realize that my heart is not where it needs to be all the time. And if I'm honest, there are dark places in my heart where I will look to advance my own agenda over Christ's. And I think we need to ask these questions because sometimes we can be the roadblock. And I think we need to take it a step further and we need to say, okay, then what am I not willing to give up? But also, is my heart then truly for others as Christ's heart is? Or am I just doing it because it's the right thing to do? Does my heart truly break for the the mugged guy on the side of the road? Does my heart truly break for, for the panhandler standing outside of the grocery store that I go to? Does my heart break for the widows and the orphans, the ostracized and the marginalized, like my Savior's does? Is my heart truly for others like Christ's is? Does my heart truly seek to have healthy relationships with my brothers and sisters in Christ, even when we fundamentally disagree on certain topics? And the last question I think we need to ask is this then. Am I pushing my agenda or am I sharing Christ? And I specifically use those words pushing and sharing because if we are honest with ourselves, if there is something else competing in our hearts with Jesus, we are going to push our agenda But if it is truly Christ, we cannot help but overflow and share the power and the love of the gospel. You know, Matthew says it this way, or Matthew, when he writes his gospel, he records Jesus's words this way in Matthew 15. He says this, Jesus goes, don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the person's mouth come from the heart, and these things defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false testimony, and slander. And these are what defile a person. Folks, what is in our hearts? The reason we have to look at our hearts and ask those hard, hard questions about ourselves is because what is in our heart will manifest itself in our speech, in our actions, in our thoughts. And if people see something that is not Jesus in us, why would they ever want to follow the Savior that we proclaim as our Lord? We need to do a heart check. We need to ask ourselves, do we care about advancing the gospel enough to rid our heart of something that's competing with our Savior? Jesus says it very clearly when when we are told that you cannot serve two masters, for you either will love one and hate the other. We must make sure that what is in our hearts, our priority, is solely Christ alone. But I think we need to take this just a little bit further, because I think in seeing what is in our hearts, we need to be willing to die to ourselves and to live for Christ. That means we need to put aside ideologies, preferences, political leanings, personal ideas, personal philosophies, and to say, no, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I am going to die to myself so that Christ is glorified, so that Christ crucified is not something that gets forgotten. I'm going to live for Christ so that people see the Savior in me, and they don't see me, they see Jesus first. And what we need to do then is we need to say, what am I then willing to do in order to foster 
healthy conversations and relationships both within the church and outside of it. You see, it's not just with people who don't know Jesus. It is with our brothers and sisters in Christ who we may fundamentally disagree with, but we realize, we understand that there is more to life than me. It is he. We are to look to the Savior to see what he is going to do in our lives and allow for that to permeate every part of our lives. And we see the Apostle Paul, he says it this way. He says, therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs so that it may benefit those who listen. Jesus doesn't say it's only for the Christians. He doesn't say it's only for the non-believers. He says no unwholesome talk should come out of our mouths. And really what he is saying is that what comes out of our mouths should come from our hearts and that should always point people to Jesus. When we share with one another, when we do life, when we share the power of the gospel with our brothers and sisters in Christ and with people who don't know him, they should understand how deeply the Father loves us and them. And so as we think about our conversations, as we think about how we are engaging with those around us, may we be people who point people to the Savior because he is our focus. And if you don't know who Jesus is, because I realize some of you may be watching this and you don't know who Jesus is, let me tell you this. Jesus is the Son of God. He came to earth because we had a debt that we couldn't pay because we were broken, sinful people, because our hearts are dark. And the debt that we had to pay was, it was death. We owed that debt and we could never afford it. We could never pay it off. And God sent his own son to pay that debt so we wouldn't have to. And all he asks of us is to surrender our lives to him, to live for him. And it's easy. All you have to do is just say, God, I want to know you more. I want to follow you. And if you don't know that, like, let me encourage you, man, please get a hold of our church. Get a hold of any of us on staff, please. And I will say this boldly, get a hold of any member of our congregation and ask them what it means to look like following Jesus. We are giving you the opportunity to engage in healthy conversations because Jesus will change your life. And if that is what is in our hearts, our conversations and actions will mirror that to the world. Let me pray for you, Hershey Free. Father God, thank you that even in our brokenness, you seek to restore and to redeem. Thank you that even in our brokenness, God, you still minister to us and you still show us how we are to be like you. Father, may we be people who seek to emulate Christ in all that we do. May that be the sole focus of our hearts so that we can engage in healthy conversation. May we apply these truths in our relationships with our families, with our friends, our coworkers, our fellow students. May we apply it both within and outside of the church context. Father, we love you and we praise you. And we pray all these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.